Hello, hello, and welcome to the 360 Method, a weekly podcast where we talk about everything Autism 360. Each week, we'll be catching you up with what's going on in the program, chatting with team members and talking all things mindset, and exploring relevant ideas that autism parents think about. I'm your host, Ella Bailey. I'm an Autism 360 veteran coach and explorer of all things parenting support. And today, hooray! I am joined by my very first ever Autism 360 client and now colleague, Faith. (laughs) Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Yes, very excited to have you and to chat about (laughs) your little man and what we did in the program and your experience. So welcome to you, our lovely listeners. It's lovely to have you. I can't wait to share Faith's story with you and to hear your thoughts and feedback. Um, If you're a program member or not, we'd still love to hear from you. So drop us a line at hello at autism360.com. We love your feedback and we love answering parent questions at the end of each episode. So please do get in touch. Before we get started... I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation on whose land I live and work and from where this podcast is being broadcast today. And I also want to mention that this podcast does not substitute for medical advice. If you have anything that makes you feel, you know, hear anything that makes you feel concerned about yourself or your child, please do contact medical advice. Um, So... Today, today's the day, lovely Faith. What's happening? No, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is um, exciting and scary all at the same time. <laughs> exactly. So for those who don't know, Faith is um, one of the linchpins here at the program. Before starting with us, uh, Faith was a podiatrist um, and also mum to two beautiful kiddos, one of whom um, has autism. And today we're going to be chatting about Faith's experience as a parent on the program before she came to work with us um faith did the program twice three times yes i did i did it twice twice amazing so much yeah all right well faith when you came into the program let's chat about where you were at with your kiddo malik what your biggest challenges were where the family was at when you first started yes so i joined the program um malik was about six years old and we were having a lot of challenges. We'd been, he'd, he'd been diagnosed for a while, so we knew that he was autistic and we, we were having a, um, therapies for the family, for him, for face-to-face therapies, um, OT and, and speechy. Um, but I was really struggling with day-to-day activities um, in the household. So I just wanted to look at goals that could help us with um, or look at areas that could help us with stopping or I shouldn't say stopping um, helping him navigate his day so with the activities that we that we had to 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 do during the day everything was a real hassle Um, it affected the family day to day Um, just him being able to move from one activity to another if for example it's getting changes in the morning or having breakfast and then finishing his breakfast and leaving for school or um, coming out of the car. Sometimes it would be different activities 
through the day that would be just be a hassle for the whole family. So we really needed help with that. I was lost with what to do. Um, the, the other challenge that we had was also just um, getting him, when he wakes up early in the morning, mm. he would just wake up about five because he just did not sleep that well through the night. Yes. It's improved now, but he, yeah, he couldn't sleep very well through the night. So he'd be waking up early in the morning, running to my room. I was a full-time um, podiatrist at the time, working, you know, working um, very early, very early in the morning. So I'd have to wake up early, but instead he would be waking me up even earlier than I would wish mm-hmm. for um, and then jump into bed and just disrupt the days just from the get-go. So we just really needed a, a lot of help navigating through our day. Yes. I hear that a lot with parents that, you know, they are really, you know, they can see that their child is making progress with face-to-face therapy. They do see the value, but they don't see it translating into the home. Was that something that you were... Yeah. Exactly. So with regards to him holding his pen right in OT and, you know, he, him doing sort of the face-to-face um, activities that they would do sitting across the table and doing, he would be fine with that. But it was those daily, everyday challenges that needed to be, um, needed to be ironed out, needed to be, you know, um, smoothed out, I suppose, so that not everything that we do, brushing your teeth or just those daily day, day-to-day things that we face as parents were asked. Yes, absolutely. I remember right at the beginning when we started um, putting in place um, some support visuals for his getting dressed process and that was so transformative right. for you. That's do you right. see those? Amazing. So, yes, we had a beautiful visual chart which um, we, you know, and he would know what, what he had to put on, what he put on next, what he put on after that. And it was just, just a chart. And he'd ask, start asking for it. Mom, where's my, where's my fish? Where's my fish ball? And he'll have it in front of him and then he'll follow what to do. I'll just lay the clothes out for him. Now I can even put the clothes in a pile for him and he will just get up and get dressed for school. Or he'll say, oh, mommy, where are my clothes? And I'm like, okay bear your clothes get dressed and he will get dressed um on his own and it's thankful to that he sort of it was a, it was building upon that visual yeah two years ago and now he does it by himself now he does it by himself Woo-hoo! oh my gosh that's exciting it and is. I guess um it must have been around then when we were first starting out and first chatting that you realized that autism 360 this service what we provide is very different um, from what you had previously experienced. When did you first realize that? I realized that after the first session that I had. Oh, yeah. Because um, it was you were listening to me, not yeah. as a parent, but as Faith with Malik. Um, yeah. You know, this mommy of two who is experiencing these challenges. You were listening to my actual, it didn't feel like I was just another parent with a child with problems and we're just sort of trying to... Um, you know, figure out in the first five minutes and the last five minutes of our face-to-face sessions as we know, as I normally have, you know, the other therapies that we have. I love the face-to-face therapies, but it was just the first five minutes and the last five minutes in which you're able to get your challenges out there, your weekly challenges of what's happened in the last week, what's happened in the last month out there. And you can see the 
therapist trying to, you know, rack in her brain, oh, what can I come up with now? Yeah, yeah. But it felt like you were listening to me as a, as a, as a, as a, as a mom, as Faith, and you were guiding me along my journey with my little boy. And that was just so, I felt so relieved after the first session instead of coming away with more questions. Yes. Yeah. You had you felt like you had some answers or at least somebody that you could go to with answers. With questions. Exactly. Someone who understand understood exactly what it well, it felt like you understood exactly <laughs> what I wish I could have had you in my pocket. And yeah. um, that's how <laughs> a pocket uh, Ella for when you need help. Yes. Because yes. you just um it was just amazing having um having a guide. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, um neurotypical kids don't come with a guide, but yeah. neurodiverse kids come with even less of a guide, don't they? Right. Yes, that's right. And and as a parent, we go through the we go through the stage day. Like you said, our children don't come with a, with a with a guide, but it's just knowing how to deflect from a situation mm-hmm. and understand your child a lot more. I did not understand why Malik was doing these things, and it was just having that. You know, just thinking, wow, I'm going to learn a lot from this. From, from from this program, that's how I felt and that's how I felt right through right through the program. I just felt like I was learning more and more about my son every day, every week. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess there must have been some, some strategies. I mean, we talked about strategies every week, but, you know, uh, problem solving those little um, struggles that he was having that, yeah. you know, you were facing and that sort of thing. But are there any that stick in your mind as like some really big breakthrough strategies um, well, that we've worked on? One of the ones that sticks in my mind is for the changing of activities from one one era for him specifically. What mm-hmm. has worked always is the visual timer, mm-hmm. and it was the way that you had explained that the timer would work for him um, with regards to him having that thing that he can see and how we, you know, being able to, um, to just transition from one thing to the next. And it could be used for everything. I did not realize that the visual timer could be used for a host of different things from, from him, from him stopping, um, whether it's finishing his, his, his work that he's doing, even at school, because they started implementing it at school. And that was an amazing thing because I think <clears throat> teachers don't always know what works for one particular child. They've just got a list of, I don't know, he used to carry a lanyard. Was it a lanyard thing? Yeah, a lanyard with lanyard. And yeah, and um, and that really never really worked for Malik. So I think it's just knowing the child and knowing what works for each child. And with Malik, visuals were amazing. And you were able to pinpoint on that on the, using the timer and using his cuddle rings. We love Oh, them. we love our cuddle rings. We love our cuddle rings. Um, so um, the cuddle rings, do you want me to explain that or do you want yeah, to? Yeah, let's chat about the cuddle rings. What was, what was it that we were struggling with that made me go away and dream up the cuddle rings? So Malik is very affectionate. He just loves people. So, um, when, you know, when, when reading about autism, when you're sort of just a parent navigating through autism, and even when he was a baby and they'll be, I'll be like, is he autistic? Isn't he autistic? When I was just 
that always say, oh, they're antisocial, all kids on the spectrum are antisocial and hide underneath the tables away from other people and hide, do, don't like to be. And Malik was the complete opposite. He yeah. loves people. He loves cuddles. He loves to a point where it was very challenging because he would want to, you know, give the checkout lady a, a hug. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, talk about not having a manual, you know. Yes, exactly, uh, exactly. Okay. Or the postman, the postman would come in and deliver a parcel and Malik's like, can I have a hug? And I'm like, oh. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. So um, the cuddle rings, you mm. came up with the wonderful, wonderful cuddle rings mm. that um, now assist Malik in knowing which, which, which group of people mm-hmm. By association, his family, his teachers, his friends, mm-hmm. well, he doesn't know yeah. what level of affection, is that the way, right way to put it? Yeah. What level of affection um, each person is right. So it's also about personal space, learning about, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's, it's during that time we were so much working out, okay, what is the way that we can use Malik's personality, his own interests, his own um, motivations to describe the world to him in a way that makes sense. You know, Malik really thrives when he has clear delineations around things. And I think that the reason that the cuddle rings worked really well for him um, and, and for the family was because, okay, when we can at least put like a clear line around something, it's a great basis to safely explore that independently. So when he knows, okay, um, these are the people that mum says it's safe for me to be X level of affection with, he then is safe to go out, explore that, see what that looks like without, you know, accidentally doing something that, um, you know, is not safe or um, is inappropriate or whatever. And how cool is that? I know, I know he's... And, and and now I just sort of have to say, Malik, mm-hmm. you know, this is the, uh, what are you supposed to do? And he won't, he, he, he'll be like, okay, high five. Yes. High five <laughs> ring. High five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and instead of wanting to just gun everybody. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. He's such a beauty, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Boy. Um, okay. Well, I mean, what do you think? Um, I guess, what, what do you want other parents to know? This is your chance. Here's your soapbox. Um, what comes to mind? Um, I think I want other parents to know that this program is so helpful that it's actually surprising. It's very unexpected how helpful um, the parent coaching mm. is because it's firsthand information that's given to you mm. and you are learning your it, it, just the way, like, uh, as we mentioned before, um, parenting does not come with a manual. Mm. <clears throat> but then you're sort of given advice from your mom or your aunt or your cousin who've done this before. Mm. That works fine or to some extent for a neurotypical child. Mm-hmm. But when it's your kitty who's on the spectrum, mm. your mom actually can't give you that advice. Oh, it doesn't <laughs> work the same. Like, it does not work the same. Mm. So having a guide, a voice who understands what's happening is able to tell you why things are happening. It becomes so empowering as a parent Mm. to be able to 
use that knowledge, use that advice. And then because it's, like I said, it's firsthand information given to you mm. as the parent, you're able to then, it's like um, you're then, it, it becomes second nature then. It becomes second nature and you start doing things and thinking, oh, Ella said this, I mean, I put it in here. Oh, this is when I should use this. And then you can even reflect upon maybe a day that didn't go so well. Sometimes I have mornings that I'm just like, oh, I could have, I could have handled that situation a lot better by doing this or by giving, you know, giving Malik um, a choice out of his sensory diet because that's something that I learned. And you understand how things work and understand why your little boy or little girl do mm. why they do the things they do. Uh, mm. For a, can I give an example? Absolutely. So we used to get um, a little frustrated mm. with Malik watching credits all the time. So his preference, if we'd sit and let him, he would watch credits. Mm. Do you remember the credits? Mm-hmm. I remember. Over yeah. and, over and, over. and I used to, and I used to be like, "Well, Malik, no watching credits. You can't watch credits. Watch here's a show. Watch." watch this, watch Mickey Mouse, watch. And then I learned through this program, through Ella, through um, um, our sensory Stacey. sessions um, with Stacy, that Malik must find something about the lists of the names of the words very common to him. It's part of his sensory regulation. So instead of taking it away from him completely, we need to understand that he needs um, some level of those um to be able to watch those credits, just to be able to regulate himself. So instead of taking it away from him completely, he's saying, okay, Malik, I'm using the timer. You've got five minutes. You can watch your credits. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, when he watches it and we say, Malik, okay, you've got one more minute left. And he'll go, okay. And he'll watch another minute of those credits and then switch off, switch, switch to something else yeah. um, by, by himself. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just been amazing. It's such a, you know, what an eye-opener is to be able to get those explanations behind why he does those things. Yeah, and a guide to know and understand your child um, so that you don't feel so bewildered. (laughs) Fully understand your child. It's obviously children change day to day and have different moods, like we all have different moods, but it's just, it uh, it was amazing. It was surprisingly amazing how this program helped my family. Amazing. Oh, thank you, Faith. That's been so cool to hear. We've got a parent question. So I thought we could answer it together. Um, And I think this is specifically going to be in your wheelhouse because this parent is talking about having one neurodiverse child and one neurotypical child. So Lee from Broken Hill asks, I have two kids, one with autism and one who is neurotypical. I always feel like I'm giving so much more of my energy to my autistic child and letting my other child down. How do I remedy this? I have to say this is a this is a you specialty. Any thoughts? Okay, yes, I have my neurotypical child is all is, is older um, and uh, my daughter mm-hmm. and then um, Malik is a few years younger. So it is a challenge, um, but what I find is um, I try not to dismiss my daughter when she's asking me a question or um, needs me for something. And that's one of the, you know, I try not to say, you know, stop right now. Let me deal with the leak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to answer her questions where, she, where needed. 
um, just so that she's she felt she feels like she's being heard. Um, they are four years apart, so they're complete. They like to do completely different things, so that's not so much of a hassle because she's she likes to do her own thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is one of the things that I make sure I do is try to answer her questions when she asks and not sort of put it to the side a little bit. Mm-hmm. The other thing I try to do is just give her mummy daughter time. She's a girl. So, yeah. so I sort of try to set, especially when it's uh, they're in different schools. I look at the situation that I'm faced with. So they're in different schools. So they have different curriculum days. So when it's, when she's got a curriculum day and my son's in school, we go out, she likes Starbucks. So we go out for a Starbucks day. So I like to just make sure that I'm, you know, giving her that time and showing her, you know, um, attention and, um, helping her that way. So that's, that's my little two sentence on that. I don't know if it, um, if it helps. Yeah, I think, I think, um, one of the things that I have found, um, makes a difference for, especially if you do have an elder sibling, um, an elder neuro, uh, typical sibling, um, you need to be honest with them without, uh, burdening them in a way that's going to be unhelpful, be honest with them about what you can and can't do and why. Because I think, um, especially when they're young, they're still mm-hmm. developing, etc. cetera, um, often it's not so much about the fact that you can't give them maybe equal attention to um, their neurodiverse sibling, but it's, a, it's about what they make the difference in the attention levels or the difference in um, energy mean about themselves. And what we what we can do is interrupt that thought process. So, for example, um, you're right, you know, um, Jenny, um, I do have to spend more time with Oliver. But what I want you to know is that doesn't mean that I love you any less or that doesn't mean that you're not as important to me or whatever it might be, however is natural to phrase it. I think making that delineation really clear from the get-go is going to be really helpful because um, it's natural and important for kids to want our attention. That's a survival strategy on their part. And and we all have natural boundaries around how much attention that we can give. But if we can be really clear that... um, everybody all our kids are different and they all need different things from us but that doesn't mean that they're less or more or worse or better or a favorite or a non-favorite um be really upfront about that be honest um and I think that that's going to go a long way to maintaining the underlying um relationship you know um there are some really cool resources for siblings of um children with disabilities i'll link those in the show notes today there's some really cool groups that they can go to where they can share their experiences and that sort of thing which i think helps because our kids do have you know they've got support workers coming over to see them they've got special appointments that they need to go to that for a sibling can feel like they're being left out so it can be nice to have things that they get to go to as well, you know, that's especially for them. Um, and I think that you probably do a great job of that kind of thing, Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also like to um, explain to my kitty or my kiddos or just um, remind them of how they've both grown. 
Yeah. Uh, and and say it with, you know, whilst they're both there. So I'll just be like, oh, Deja, remember when you couldn't do this? And now, now you do this. And Malik, remember Malik couldn't, couldn't say mommy and couldn't say, and what was his first note? And she always remembers that. So she sees his growth. She sees her growth. So I feel like they can both be proud of each other and, you know, in that way. So I think also just having that remembering, you know, that they're siblings at the end of the day. And they're so just to remove that rivalry barrier. I know it's always there anyway, but just to not that, have that jealousy because she gets their attention. It's just like, no, be proud of your, your yeah. sibling and vice versa. We're on the same team. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, thank you, Faith. Lee, I hope that helps. Yeah. Um, please get in touch if you have any other questions or if you have questions for Faith um, parents. We would love to um, answer them on another podcast or get Faith back on to um, have a parent Q&A. That could be cool. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Um, we will be back next week with um, another awesome, you know, parenting, uh, autism parenting content podcast. Um, so uh, I think we will wrap it up there. Thank you for coming on, Faith. Um, and until then, 360.